Loose pucks, Theodore gets it out. Amadio, a stretch pass to Barbashev. Down the middle, the lefty, forehand, he scores! Ivan Barbashev, and the Knights take a 1-0 lead. McMahon to the right, Theodore shoots off the stick, pad save, rebound, score! Nicholas Waugh, 6-2 Golden Knights. That is all she wrote. The Knights defeat the Leafs, 6-2. Snap a four-game skid. Live from Stadium Swim at Circa, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You heard it, Stadium Swim on a Thursday, and we are blessed again. A beautiful day out here, a little bit breezy in the valley, but about 72 degrees. The blaring sun. Adam Hill is all for it. He's out here with me at Circa Las Vegas, and Damon is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. A ton of hype for the uh, Mountain West Conference Tournament. Got the uh, tournaments, ladies and men's in town. Thomas and Mac, March 10th to the 16th. So we're going to try to hunt down a couple of coaches today. Jeff Linder from Wyoming and Steve Alford from Reno. He'll be on with us. We think in the five o'clock hour, uh, prizes galore over the place. Events going on around ESPN Las Vegas. Want to remind you, every day when we come on, and really you can do it earlier in the day. You just got to listen to ESPN Las Vegas. You can hit the jackpot with ESPN Las Vegas by texting in the code word of the day. We're giving away $2,024 a day. 702-364 is the text number. Uh, you can qualify between 7A and 5P. you got to listen at any point during the day. You'll hear the code word. Today's code word is outlaws. Outlaws with an S. Outlaws. 702-364-1100. $2,024 going out to a lucky listener. All you got to do is text it in. 702-364-1100. Outlaws. All right, Adam. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they give me some size. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I'll tell you at the break. Oh no, not good. Are you about to sneeze? What do you have? You have no. a sinus attack. All right, we'll All right. we'll we'll get we'll get to this through this quickly, and then we'll we'll go to break. Uh, Knights continue on the road. The big bad Bruins struggling lately. Very interesting record. Uh, <laughs> They've got a good record. Yes. Uh, they were just on a West Coast trip that did not go well. They did not play well on the West Coast at all. Uh, we've seen that happen before. They've had some really, really bad games in Vegas. Hint, hint. Uh, so <laughs> uh, maybe a long West Coast road trip. Not very surprised that they didn't play very well, but they've still got a ton of talent. They do have some injuries right now. They're trying to work through. Um, but, yeah, they're, I mean, they're still a really good team, and it's a really big challenge for the Knights, who have not won back-to-back games in three weeks. So this will be a big opportunity for them to do that. Why is that? What's the main reason they can't get some consistency? It's not just injuries, is it? The biggest thing. I mean, obviously, when you have no Eichel and no Stone, uh, they finally just got their defense back healthy. Uh, Shea Theodore, eight assists in his four games since returning, so that's big. Uh, Eichel appears on the verge of returning in the next couple of games, so that'll be big for them. But uh, Cassidy kind of made the case the other day, which makes sense that, you know, when you're missing these guys, certainly it, it shakes up everybody else, like, hey, a guy from the fourth line like, like Nick Waugh can play really well, but now he's doing it on the first or second line, and what happens to the fourth line? You need, them, you need them to play well. And the biggest thing is, you know, a 1-1 game very often becomes a 2-1 win when you've got a guy like Stone or Eichel who just makes a play once a game. And we know those guys making those plays once a game. The 1-1 tie becomes a 2-1 loss or a 3-1 loss or in some cases a 7-3 loss, which was ugly last week when it got away from them. But, um, yeah, I, I think – they need to find some consistency, and they think they're going to. And uh, going into last game, they said, hey, look, we lost to Ottawa, but we found it. We found our game, and turned out they were right. 
uh, see if they can keep that going. It's been a weird offseason, a weird last couple of days for the uh, world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. First of all, yesterday, the news comes out with their super fan, Chiefsaholic. One of the great stories of all time. Uh, give me the attorney. After this guy pled guilty, the attorney comes out and makes some sort of plea for forgiveness. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Okay, he's facing 50 years in prison. Yes. But what sort of rally does he want at this point? The guy was robbing, was it just banks? Or mostly. Yeah, across yeah. the country to well, he, fund mean, his fandom so he could travel to go see Chiefs games. The story goes back. Be I mean, known he, as the most famous Chiefs fans in the country. The or story, fan. I know I know not everybody digs deep into the story like I do and be obsessed with it, but I mean, it goes back. His mom was basically a career criminal. And I, I don't, I, I say that it sounds, you know, like a, like a shot or like a derogatory thing of like, they were essentially homeless. His mom would steal like their next meal and their next, you know, their find their next place to live for a night, and they lived in the car much much of their life growing up. And um, it it was you know him, his family, his sister, like everyone. That's kind of the life that they've been in their whole life. And he got a little bit, <laughs> a little lot carried away uh, with a the lot, lifestyle. A lot carried away, yeah. And uh, went from you know stealing for your next meal to you know funding this massive fandom, traveling, you know. One of the big fundraisers for the Chiefs. I mean, he was he was buying items at auction, and every time the Chiefs had a you know a, a big charity night, like he was really throwing money around, making these massive bets on the Chiefs, on Mahomes, uh, everything else. So uh, it's a wild, crazy story. I know he has uh, become a cult figure. Uh, some looking him positively, some very negatively, obviously among the Chiefs fans. But it's it's been a wild story that now appears on the verge of ending, and I think. Uh, when we talked to, to Justin about this yesterday, it was maybe just, hey, man, go make this one speech for me, lawyer. Like, make like make my life go down in history as I prepare to head to jail. Uh, make people remember this. And the, the, either the lawyer was out on his own to try to make a name for himself or serving the client right to the end of, all right, I'll look like an idiot for you. Who's freaking out more about his reputation? Chiefsaholic, the guy who used to go to the games and wear a wolf mask, or Clark Hunt, who, who should be the like known as the best owner in the NFL. The NFLPA does their poll, and the Chiefs players vote, and they have the guy and the facilities and the money he puts into the Chiefs in terms of uh, comforts and you know, certainly needs around uh, modern-day NFL players. They have him as the worst owner in football. They do. Uh, sounds like a couple things were real factors here. One being... We talked about this with some other teams. Chiefs players are required to have roommates on the road. Was that the note about – I saw something about another team having uh, – if you wanted to get out of having a roommate you and, and you were, I think, over four years in the league, it was $1,750 yeah. to get out? Yeah. What? Get your own room. How can, can I just book my own room? That's what I was thinking, but probably not. <laughs> what, are, what are we doing? I mean, it having a roomie on the road – doesn't sound like a big deal, but these are adults. Oh yeah, playing in a league that makes billions of dollars, 
playing for a guy who is a billionaire who's making hundreds of millions of dollars every season, and they're sharing a room with someone? It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Uh, but it also, I think it, it's funny, some of the kind of details have come out from a lot of these stories today of exactly where these these stories came from. It sounds like the biggest thing with the Chiefs is that they were promised a lot this year, and they didn't come through. They promised upgrades, and then they walked into the locker room after winning the Super Bowl a year ago. They come into the facility, and all they had done to improve the comforts of the locker room were, oh, we got you new chairs with backs on them. Yeah. What were they sitting it's on like, before? Like an episode a bar stool? It's, it's an episode of The Office. What is this? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but, and again, there's, there is multiple layers. You mentioned, hey, it sounds like a little thing, but it's a big thing, the way you yeah. treat the players. And I, I saw people yesterday, with, especially with the child care one, where, hey, if you have a child on the team, not, not with the Chiefs, it was another team, Chargers, I guess it was. It was the Chargers. If you you know have a child on the team, it's $75 to keep them in a you know, child care room during the game. And people are like, so what? They're millionaires. They can pay for it. Not the point. The point is, if you're going to pay all this money, make the players happy. Make, put them in a position where they don't have, they feel comfortable. Like, if you're going to invest already, why not just invest further in little things like that? I mean, this is one of those. If, if the average Joe, like ourselves or our listeners, will not side with the employees and the players here, when will you ever side with them? Never. Like, you don't. You don't look around work and you're like, well, that's kind of old and crappy. I feel very disrespected. Not a Lotus. We, we're wonderful. Of course. But at most workplaces, you're like, well, this could be better. They promised us this. I mean, this is, it would seem like a common bond. I don't care if they have money. Yeah. Common bond with the average fan out there. And by the way, if you're a fan of a team that got a crappy grade, like I didn't get to read through the whole thing. But if the Jets are getting bad reviews, then I want the GM fired. I, I don't know what to do about Woody Johnson. That pisses me off. Well, that affects like, you getting players in the future or retaining players. Sounds like the Jets were pretty mad at Salah. Like I, I mean, thrilled. you know where I stand on this thing. I, I thought they should have blowed, blowed. They should have blown the whole thing up. Um, I'm not a Belichick fan, but with Belichick and Pete Carroll and Mike Vrabel out there, um, I thought it was uh, at times just pure buffoonery a year ago. Uh, we are leading into a really big hockey weekend. We we're talking about VGK on the road in Boston. Well, they're going to continue on the road on Saturday with a Sabres game and. Circle Las Vegas and ESPN uh, Las Vegas are doing a massive viewing party. Maybe the Jack Eichel return? Maybe. That could be exciting. Uh, 4 o'clock is the puck drop in Boston. JVT and Lindsey Brown will be on the scene here at Circle Las Vegas at the Overhang Bar inside at Circus Sports. Official. I mean something. When it's an official Vegas Golden Knights watch party, you wear your VGK gear. You got great sign-ups to win uh, Circle Gold VGK jerseys, future tickets to uh, Golden Knights games. You can party with the Vegas Vivas, Chance, and your fellow fans. It's a uh, big grouping, big get-together for VGK and their fans. It'll be right here on Saturday starting at 4 o'clock. Circle Las Vegas at the Overhang Bar right over top of or overlooking Circus Sports. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Crazy times around Las Vegas. So many cool sporting events. We are poolside on a Thursday. It's 72 degrees here at Circa Las Vegas. I just left Laramie, Wyoming, where uh, day one we got there, it was probably 48 degrees, and that's like 70 here. It was it was beautiful. When we left, it was 10 degrees, so it was a little, a little tougher. Uh, we got a, a great tournament coming up with a Mountain West Conference tournament in town, men's and women's, and Jeff Linder, the head coach of the Cowboys, uh, joins us. Coach, how are you? Well, good to be on, Steve. Uh, obviously, running Rebels are, are running right now, and uh, 48 in Laramie feels like 78 in Vegas. 
I know. <laughs> it does. You know, I got to mention something else because uh, obviously every market deals with certain challenges in terms of recruiting. Uh, one of the things we got to get going in Laramie is a full core of uh, rideshare drivers. It's, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's a small town. It's pretty crazy there sometimes uh, getting around. Have you ever run into tribe? Actually, you know what? One of the, uh, our, uh, our hotel um, driver of the, uh, uh, we got delivered by uh, the driver from the hotel. But anyway, he was saying that uh, you guys had frozen bus issues. Was it on your side or the opposing side? No, that was on the opposing side. That's when actually Fresno, Fresno was in town. And it, it, got, it was a really cold stretch. And we've actually had a pretty mild winter all things considered, but uh, it got really, really cold. And for whatever reason, the bus driver, uh, Fresno, had left all their, sh- their their shoes for the game underneath yep. the bus. Yep, yep, and yep. Uh, it was frozen. They couldn't they couldn't open it up. And so eventually they got it open about 30 minutes before the game. But we had to, my equipment manager actually had to go and uh, get a bunch of shoes for their players. So, uh, yeah, there's there's unique challenges at, at all places. Um, and, and sometimes, like I said, the, the weather here in the wintertime, can be can it be a little challenging, but uh, hey, you, you got to put take the good with the bad because I've been in Vegas in July and, and when yeah. it's 125 degrees outside, it's, that's it not fun either. It can be rough. So we got 15 total games left in the conference on the men's side, and six teams are still alive for the top seed. Uh, I mean, I, I think we say this every year about how competitive it is. Th- this seems to be the most deep year in the longest time on the men's side. No, no question. I mean, if you really look, I mean, look at Air Force the other night going into uh, New Mexico and, and, and beating the Lobos at the pit. Um, you know, San Jose the other night gave San Diego State all they can handle at home, uh, at San Diego State. I mean, obviously, you know, us being at 6-8 and eight and having beaten CSU, Nevada, um, and playing a lot of teams down on the wire. I mean, UNLV, Utah State. I mean, it's just when you get to the conference tournament, I mean, it is obviously, I mean, not everybody can win it, but there's there's so many teams that have over the course of three games could, could put themselves in a position to win it. I mean, that's that's the parity in the conference and, um, and how good the conference is. Mount West Conference Tournament's in town here in Vegas. Uh, Wyoming will be here. Jeff Linder is on the horn with us. You can get your tickets at UNLVTickets.com or go to the MW.com to get the tickets for the event. Uh, that starts up on March 10th and goes through the 16th. I thought the other night the game between uh, you guys and UNLV was just a microcosm of the entire season in conference. It was super physical. It was back and forth. It got pushed to overtime. Give me your biggest impression out of the game. No, I mean that's I mean I mean I said a lot of these games. I mean that's that's what comes to. You. I mean that night. I mean look, Utah State needed a Darius Brown three from about forty feet to send the game into overtime at Fresno. Then you got Jared Lucas with the. Uh, the prayer from half court to beat Colorado State. I mean, we had that shot, which I mean, it was shocking that we even had a chance in regulation to win it when Whaley stepped out of bounds on the. And thankfully, he did because um, uh, Deaton Thomas was wide open, streaking down the middle of the floor. Uh, but you know, for us to have a chance to win that game in regulation, it just I say it goes back to speaking of the parity. Now, you know, the Run Rebels, Coach Kruger. I mean, he's done he's done a really good job with with that group. I mean. Um, you know, the talent, the size, the athleticism, but, you know, Deaton Thomas for being an 18-year-old freshman that should still be a senior in high school, uh, his, his poise, his presence, even though he had a bad shooting night against us, um, you know, his ability just to control the game at such a young age is, is quite impressive. Yeah, for you guys, Griffin really made an impact uh, down the stretch, getting into the lane or to the rim, and I, 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 the guy I was really impressed with, and he's, he's been there forever, and he's been such a valuable a player for you guys, especially. I thought on defense, I thought Brandon Wenzel was dynamite in terms of physicality, and that's, 
that's pretty you know gutsy on his part and your part to go. You know what? You're going to cover the six one guy who's uh, rolling all over the floor at point guard. No, and that's and that's what we did at their place as well. And and, and Brendan is our best perimeter defender. He's six and with his size, being a legit six six. Um, for him to to be able to just use his length um, and his size to uh, and he's got really good feel too because I mean you obviously you need that when you're playing a guy like Dean Thomas or Isaiah Stevens I mean the guards in our league but um, you know I thought yeah his size definitely kind of created some created some problems but then you, know, you got to pick your poison you end up putting him on Dean Thomas and now you got some of my smaller guards you know Tom uh, Garden Rodriguez and Boone. And then that's when you start getting hurt on the offensive glass. Jeff Linders with us. So I heard you on your coach's show talking about the size of UNLV. And, you know, and I think a lot of times people mistake size on a basketball team as just having a bunch of seven-footers. But it's when you have size all over the floor, it changes things. And you were uh, talking about the size on the team. And then when I saw you guys on the floor, the, the way you played physically, was that kind of the – the message going in that yeah they, they have they might have a little more length on us but we are going to go toe to toe with them and establish things physically. Yeah, you have. I mean, in order to you know, especially since you know when Webster got hurt and then they moved Rodriguez to the two and then Boone at the three and then Whaley into the four and then the other Boone at the five. I mean, they just from a positional size standpoint. I mean, Rodriguez is six six. The other Boone six eight. Um, you just you just got so much size and length. Um, that just takes up the floor, and it's not like with their with their length and size, they're still good enough laterally to kind of keep guys in front. Where sometimes at this level, even though a guy's six five, six six, the two or the three, they struggle from a lateral quickness standpoint. And that's where you know they just do a good job of just kind of keeping you in front um, and just making things you know making things difficult for you. I mean that's just I mean so the size wise, and I think that's where you see probably from the positional size standpoint right now in terms of in the league. I mean you have them. Boise is very similar. The Boise is a little bit more thicker and bigger, um, but that's also too why UNLV's had such a good year is that their ability ability to defend, um, and then they've turned into a team that's been really really physical inside. I mean, they're really a lot like us a couple of years ago when we went to the NCAA tournament with EK and Maldonado, where we just came down the floor and just threw the ball inside or got into a dribble down, and then you got to decide whether or not you're going to let them score thirty or you're going to double, and then now you got to your space. So. Um, that's that's where you know they've just they've kept it really simple, but they're playing to their strengths and has obviously been playing really well because of it. Jeff Linders with us, head coach of Wyoming. Do you like where the league is now? Because my impression is with San Diego State and Boise being the most consistent teams and often the the biggest and thickest, as you put it, teams that everyone else basically is forced to build their team the same way. Is that true, or could? You build a team where you've got some size, but you're also a team that could run and, and shoot threes, or does the, the entire league have to be the same? Well, I mean, I think in the perfect world, I mean, you want all of it. And I think in terms of just the uh, the success of San Diego State and having been at Boise with Leon when he started in 2010 and being there for six years, is, in his 14 years being there, I mean, the two more longer tenured coaches in the league, is that with, with that sustained success uh, in winning, you're able to continue to recruit a, a certain type of player with a skill standpoint and not sacrifice the skill but getting the prerequisite size, length, and athleticism. And, and the problem now in this day and age is in order to get that that length and athleticism and size with a certain skill level, those players cost a lot of money now. And so if, if your program isn't really dialed in with the NIL, I mean, it's going to be hard to keep those types of players around. All right, you took me where I wanted to go because we've been – 
talking about NIL a lot lately, and, and I heard the part of the coach's show where you mentioned, hey, there's a lot of money on the floor for UNLV. So how do you feel about NIL in general? Because we've had Tim Miles come on here and said, hey, you know what, the offseason was very transactional. Do you feel like you guys can compete? Is it is it a local concern? Does there have to be rules? Does it need to be reported? Does there need to be a cap for a roster? <laughs> well, I mean, really, it's, it's turned into Major League Baseball. I mean, it's, you got the, the Yankees and the Red Sox, and, and you have that in the Mountain West. Not so specific with teams, but there's some teams with a lot of money. There's some teams with a good chunk of money, and then there's some teams that don't have much money. And so you got the Yankees and the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, but then you also got the Oakland A's, the the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Kansas City Royals, and that's where I mean I think you can really kind of almost go and look at the league standings from top to bottom, and you can kind of see where people are operating from a, an NIL standpoint. Probably the one team that's kind of the outlier in all of it is Utah State, when that they don't have a lot from an NIL standpoint. But you know, Coach Sprinkle was able to bring Darius Brown and Osabor from Montana State, and. And they've done a good job mixing in Bossev and Johnson and those guys and Martinez. So, I mean, I think it's, the, the standings are probably a pretty pretty close direct correlation of probably what people have in the league. For you, we're talking to Jeff Lender. Mount West Conference Tournament's coming up. You can get your tickets at UNLVTickets.com. It's March 10th to the 16th, the MW.com. Who has – which team has impressed you the most? Or what was what was the toughest matchup for you? Like, who, who do you think is the favorite to win this thing in conference, yeah. uh, conference I mean, tournament play? Yeah, obviously having played everybody now and uh, played Boise once, San Diego State once. I mean, I think in terms of just from a, a as I go back to just from a physicality size standpoint, standpoint, I mean, I think those two teams right now, I mean, over the course of a three-game period and where their defense and then offensively, I mean, both teams will have their moments where they struggle. But I think in terms of if you're probably saying, hey, like, who has the best chance? I mean, I think the numbers would probably say those two teams. But then you also, I mean, Utah State, I mean, give them credit for what they've done. I and mean, I think people have been expecting them to kind of fall off the map and find ways to keep on winning. And then, you know, New Mexico is as talented as anybody. Colorado State with Isaiah Stevens. Nevada with Lucas and Blackshear. And obviously, you know, UNLV and, and what they've done. And then in the case of us, where we could really score the ball and we could do some things offensively, you know, to a neutral court in Vegas. You know, like our chances as well. So it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great tournament, and uh, it's going to continue to show why it's one of the best leagues in the country. Coach, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us, and we'll see you here in a couple weeks. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. There he is, Jeff Linder, coach of Wyoming. All right, he took it even further, Demond, about NIL, right? Because he had said on his coach's show, "Hey, there's a lot of money out there on the floor for UNLV," and he said, basically, look at the standings. And do you think it's that bad for some schools with NIL where they're just they're that far behind the eight ball and the league could basically be predicted if you actually knew? That's the other important thing. Um, I'm not sure who the sources are that are telling coaches how much everyone's paying at other schools. I I mean, we let's let's use that as an example. Actually, you know, let's take a time out. We'll come back. We'll build on this. Uh, remember, Mountain West Conference Tournament, UNLVTickets.com. You can grab your tickets. UNLV certainly has put itself in a position to uh, make a run in this tournament. Uh, you can grab the tickets at UNLVTickets.com, the MW.com, and it is a pretty wide-open field. Uh, even that first day is probably going to provide some upsets, and uh, everyone right now in that middle area, because it is grouped up pretty tight, does not want to play on that Wednesday. Now back to Cofield & Company. 
on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, Jeff Linder, the Wyoming coach, was just on with us, and he's made a point this week a couple times to mention NIL and the standings in the Mountain West Conference for men's basketball. We had Tim Miles on a couple weeks ago. Uh, he had mentioned about how the offseason was very transactional. What do you think, Adam? How rough is it getting with name, image, likeness, and the budgets of certain schools for the schools that are underfunded? We'll say that in really in a lot of conferences around the country. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, there's quite a disparity. There's no question. Um, I know that if he was trying to if he was trying to make you more upset about it, using the Yankees as the example is probably the way. Uh, the way I don't to, even the way to do it. Uh, and the ace, two of your favorite topics. About, I mean, it is, in a way, it is similar because there is no cap on what you can do. Uh, yeah. Did he mention the Dodgers? Because I, I don't even know why you're mentioning the Yankees Probably as compared to the Dodgers now. Um, but I, I mentioned, like, what's the solution? Is there a cap on NIL? They, they, that would never work legally. No. Because And I don't know that it's fair to report officially what kids are getting. Is it our business? You've got public schools. You've got private schools. Yeah. So it's just... Right now it is the Wild Wild West. I'm not yeah. sure how they rein it in. And certainly coaches and boosters and local business owners are not they're not going to shy away from it if they can get more and more money and more players and retain oh. more guys, they're gonna they're gonna do it. And right now, UNLV has always had support and it's getting better. Um I w- this is I would just be guessing on this. If you're to guess in the Mountain West Conference, who do you think has the biggest NIL budget with their roster? Well, I think it's first of all it's impossible to say for a couple reasons. One if you are, if you do have a big budget, you're going to tell everybody it's lower. Right. And if you have a small budget, you'll either tell everybody it's higher, or you'll completely undersell it. Isn't the flow of information also controlled by like the Dave Uy uh, Ungaleles of the world? Right. That's the guy who convinced Jade Mayava, hey, it's time to leave UNLV, and then he brokered him to Georgia first. Then he lands at USC. He might be telling people that USC gave Mayava three hundred thousand dollars. Might have been seventy-five thousand for all we know. So you've also got these handlers and agents who are throwing rumors out there. I'm sure to coaches and and people around the program. So, I mean, it's it, you're right. It is a wild guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be stunned if a quarterback went to a school for seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. I think they got they almost all get significantly more uh, if they're going to a major school like that. But again, to your point, whoever is doing the brokering is going to want to oversell, yep. and because he's w- going to want to go to another school and say, hey. We just got three hundred thousand from Georgia. What will you give us, USC? And the kid will want to undersell because he doesn't want people to know what he's getting. And every and the other programs will oversell. It's just that's a whole vicious cycle of why people want information at a certain level. And until you know for sure, nobody's going to know. And then you're just going to be guessing and speculating. And so you're, to your point, making rules on it is almost impossible because who's who's reporting it? Where's it coming from? Are we, are we digging into tax records now of, well, of everyone you know, to try to get – it's crazy. Well, the funny thing is, remember how mad UNLV fans got at Mike Ramallah from The Sun? Yeah. For talking about what Ricky White might be offered here and what he's being offered by what, Notre Dame? Yeah. And a bunch of people were like, that's none of your business. Yeah. Okay, well, then I guess we don't want to know. Yeah, it is your business. Oh, wait. It is. It is. Oh, but you want to know what San Diego State has yeah. on the floor for the, and Boise and New Mexico and Colorado State. Yeah. It's okay with them. Of course it is. Right. It's just – it's – I mean, the double standard is going – it's not even a double standard. It's like a quadruple standard. There's yeah. different standards for everybody that talks about it. So it's – I think it's going to be a long time until this is worked out, if, it, if it's ever worked out, if, if to whatever degree people want it to be. It's going to be kind of chaotic for a while. And 
to the point of there's the haves and the have-nots, like, yeah, there is. Now, one of the challenges is trying to overcome it, uh, but it's not fair that you have to overcome it if you're a coach or you're a player, but that's where it is. I mean, I mentioned, I mentioned it the other day. Like, I, you know, team I watch probably more than anybody's Yale, they, they have nothing. They go on the road, and they're playing schools that have big budgets. Beating them is more fun because of that to me. Uh, it's great. But they, they also, I mean, they're also never going to compete at that level. So why, you know, either you try to do it or else you move on. I mean, that's that's the only option. We had so many events in town this weekend. One of the cool ones, uh, they're all cool, Nitro Cross, right there at Planet Hollywood. I saw a picture of the Nitro Dome that they built, the uh, track, and that's a big event involving Travis Pastrana. Dana White's behind it. So really entertaining stuff around the race as well. It's going on. Friday and Saturday this week. Ticketmaster.com is where you get the tickets. We've got Friday tickets right now, two of them for Nitro Cross. Caller 7 364 It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling out here. Stadium Swim, Circle Las Vegas. Just had a good conversation with. Wyoming men's basketball coach Jeff Linder. We got into uh, name, image, likeness. We've hit that topic with Tim Miles as well. There's similarities there. San Jose State and Wyoming basketball uh, don't seem to have a gigantic budget in NIL. In the end, we have no idea. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is scuttlebutt behind the scenes. I don't know if you saw it today, but the uh, UNLV football schedule came out. There was also an interesting tweet put out by UNLV football that their other big transfer quarterback is they got Hodge Malik Williams in and he's been here for months from Campbell so tweet came out that Matthew Sluka from Holy Cross who had committed I don't know six weeks ago that he assigned his letter of intent so I'm trying to figure out if that changes his status because we had talked to Caleb Herring yesterday and I was of the understanding that Sluka would would not be practicing because he has to graduate first from Holy Cross. So I'm efforting getting some updates on that. He graduated. If you remember, well, he graduates in May. Maybe he graduated early. I'm not sure on that one. We'll, we'll follow up on it. We'll, we'll get into it. Xavier Pope is with us. He joins us every Thursday. Is uh, we got a busy Thursday to get to. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How are you, Steve? Uh, we're good. It's 70 degrees here in Vegas again on a Thursday, and we're sitting uh, poolside here at Stadium Swim at Circa. A little windy. You know, we're picky. A little windy. Um I get it. There's a there's a lot of good stuff to talk about from this week, and now this one's a, a couple of days old. But I, I saw you had a pretty strong reaction to the way guys like Adam Schefter described Eric Bieniemy taking a job at UCLA. Uh, for you, what does this say about the NFL hiring process? And you didn't like the the verbiage that Schefter used. Yeah, they, they said he get he had opportunities, uh, and and that that just was wasn't clear. I mean, in the, in the article. Uh, he and they, they said he, he interviewed for the, the the commander's head coaching job, two other offensive co- coordinator jobs, uh, and he was offered an assistant head coach, running backs. Um, that it, we, we've been talking about Eric Bieniemy getting a head coaching job. Why was he not getting more head coaching interviewing opportunities? And and like I said last week, uh, Steve, I said this is not just him. Though. It was it was part. I mean, not, not just this process, partially it was him making that miscalculation to go over to the commander's job in the first place, knowing that just hasn't been a stable franchise in order to succeed on the long term. 
So I, I just don't like how Schefter worded it, but I also he, he takes some of the blame as well for this miscalculation and, 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 and now winding in the college ranks, offensive coordinator job over uh, over on the West Coast, UCLA. What I guess what is your read? We don't really know because we haven't been in the interviews that he has had. But what is your read on what has gone, what what has transpired in his career, and why he hasn't moved up? I think it is it, it, when it comes to the head coaching job in the National Football League, it's all about trends, right? Uh, if, if your team is winning, you're going to get a job. Uh, your team has to be winning if you're an African American coach. You don't you don't have to. You can, you're, you're not going to be someone like a a a, 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 a other coaches who may get the opportunity and not be so great. Um, but you know, the enemy he was he was there with a team that wasn't doing so hot. Um, and we, I predicted this a couple of years ago that he needs to take a good job that gave him an opportunity to get, for succeed. The team he left, the Kansas City Chiefs, they just won uh, the Super Bowl. Now, if he stayed with that team, maybe he would have gotten more opportunities to, to, to interview for head coach jobs in the National Football League. Who knows? So we go from Biennemi to somebody who's just coming into the league right now. Uh, I saw Caleb Williams do an interview where he was trying to push, hey, I like Chicago. Chicago's a cool place. I like deep dish pizza. What, what? He said some other things too, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Is he just trying to sell? Hey, like I, I'm not trying to be a bad guy. I'll try to play anywhere. And what what do you think of somebody saying I'm okay with Chicago because I like deep dish? I mean, I mean, players have been saying that as long as I've been alive about Chicago before they they get potentially get drafted here. I love deep dish pizza. I like the lakefront. I. I, I, I like Picasso statues. I, and I just pretty much, I like the Blues Brothers. This was, that's, what, that's something that's quintessential Chicago. <laughs> and he was going for the first thing he could grab. I, I, I don't fault fall, fall the kid at all. <laughs> Hold on, Xavier. I've got a real question. But what would be the thing if someone said, I love this about Chicago, that would make you, you know, rub your chin and say, maybe this guy's all right? Uh, I, 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 def, I think see, people, there's a debate about deep dish pizza. People, Think it's casserole? I think it's pizza. I said, I mean, you're swinging for the fences if you say deep dish pizza. But if you say, hey, I mean, I I, I love uh, the the taste of Chicago. People are gonna take you in. If you if you say uh, you love love a, a Harold's French fries with mild sauce and a little bit of lemon pepper, you can hit it hard too with that one too as well. Okay, just well, <laughs> okay. So is so when we talk about Caleb Williams, are we are we officially done with Justin Fields staying in Chicago? Is that is that ship sailed? I think the ship has sailed. I mean, you have uh, the team already saying that they would potentially trade him before Friday. <clears throat> but you're basically playing your hand at the Chicago Bears. If, if you're a team, you're hearing the Chicago Bears doing this. Why? Why are you going to trade with them if you know you might be able to do get a get a better deal after Friday? I, I think they've telegraphed this worse than any other team I've ever seen in recent memory with all the chips they have. This is a this this seems like a win-win situation for the Bears. This is a lose-lose. You want to get it worse worse for Justin Fields. You want to just uh, drafting a quarterback, and you don't know what the certainty of your team is going to be, and you're going to sink for the next couple of years. I, I think the Bears are, yeah, are uh, in a definitely an unenviable situation. Xavier, I want to move over to LeBron because you tweeted LeBron James is doing something we flat out never seen ever. How much longer do you think he can keep it up? Is he still going to be at this level when Bronny makes it to the league, if he does? I mean, at this rate, LeBron James hit five threes in the fourth quarter, 19 points in the fourth quarter. Take the first, the largest fourth quarter comeback in his career. We're in 20, year 21. In his whole career, it happens this year. Puts the Lakers on his back uh, at the Clippers that last 
game in there and before they go out to uh, Game 2 at Arena. I, I mean, there's no telling how long this guy can play like this. We've never, ever, we've never seen a guy play at this level this long in his career, being able to take over games in the fourth quarter and look like he did 20 years ago. It's, it's unbelievable. Would you be in favor of a team maybe trying to court LeBron in two years when he's in his 40s and say, hey, we want you, we're going to draft your son. Do you think that that would work out for a team? Do you think he could still be at the MVP championship level then? I mean, I don't, I don't think that LeBron James is ever going to win another MVP ever again in the, in the National Basketball Association. I, I think that he would have to have a pretty loaded team um, that allows him to do that. I just don't see, and LeBron James seems like a type of guy, if he has loaded talent around him, maybe step back a little bit from scoring. The Lakers require LeBron James to score a ton of points because they, they aren't necessarily the most talented team on the court from night to night. And so LeBron James has to continue to do what he does. And they can't say the Los Angeles Lakers are one of the best teams in the NBA right now. So I think some, some dynamics will have to change. You see a career will change. So I don't see a championship-level MVP type of LeBron James. You see him as a, as a great competitor and doing things you've never seen in the sport, but definitely not in a, in a place where you're going to see him winning up the MVP trophy. I don't see it happening. Xavier Pope joining us as he does each and every week, breaking down all kinds of things. And I did see there is going to be a documentary on Hulu. And I know you tweeted about this as well. There is a Freaknik documentary coming. Uh, my first question, is Cofield ready for this? I think that Cofield is ready for this, but I thought you were going to ask me to explain what Freaknik was. And uh, no. I, I was going to have I was going to have a really tough time doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that's not the analysis you were seeking for me on this. Yeah. It's evening, gentlemen. Uh, I, I think that this, it, 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 I think we've seen all types of documentaries. Watch it, see what you think, and I want to know whether it's going to be the true story about what happened. So many different things define he and other going to a place like that in Seattle. And that's wrong. I, I feel like it's going to be just part one, and then we're going to have some more some more parts coming down the road, or like with the Fire Fest, one of the greatest events of all time another company will do their own documentary and show other stories. Well, at Freaknik, people actually had a good time. Uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> that's not what happened. Uh, that was a different type of, doc type of documentary. I don't, I don't think it, 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 it pales in comparison to the times people had there. Yeah, many people had their issues, but I, I'm pretty sure people just wasn't there with sandwiches. <laughs> yes, that's, that's accurate. The food definitely better, no question. Uh, and the time better, music better for sure, uh, for Freaknik. So we'll uh, we'll check that out. I'm I'm actually pretty excited uh, to watch that. Uh, anything else coming up that we need to watch? Are, are you? Uh, I know you're always up to date on things that we should be checking out. I think that we should be checking out. I mean, I, I think that we need to see who is going to be the best team in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 if you if you say who is the best team in the NBA right now, who would, I, all, all of us would have a different choice. What's your choice, Adam? Uh, well, I think by the end of the year, oddly enough, it's going to be Milwaukee. Are you sure of that, though? I mean, that team no. is is not exactly. DeMond, what about what do you think is who's the best team right now? Right now, I'm I'm going to say the Celtics. I believe in the Celtics. Okay, that's, okay, okay. I mean, I think that's a good choice because they have the best record in the National Basketball Association. But is that going to be the, the case when we get to the playoffs? Some of those pieces are still relatively new and how that's going to work. Are they able to keep some guys healthy? Uh, Drew Holiday is one of the is is that X factor that could definitely put them over the top and get them a ring. But we can't really we don't know if Denver's going to step in and rise to the challenge as as defending champions. They're going to be they've got as, as little coverage as the defending champions I've ever seen. 
And, and so we don't really know what's going to happen. And I think that's the good thing about the playoffs coming up is that it's a wide open field. Well, Adam mentioned Milwaukee. I want to ask you about Damian Lillard basically just admitting that he's super lonely in Milwaukee. Can you defend the Midwest at all? As someone who lives uh, a stone's throw from Milwaukee but will never go there, absolutely <laughs> right about Milwaukee on that. There are plenty of people who have to work the Milwaukee games, sports writers that I know, will come stay in Chicago so they can actually have something to do with their lives when they're actually there. Uh, it, it, it's not a fun place to be. I feel for the guy, but he could have been in Miami. But. Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope is with us. Xavier, did you see the idea of Rob Parker, who does national sports talk radio for Fox Sports, in Detroit, starting up an all-black sports talk radio station. What do you think? Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw it. I congratulate him. Rob Parker is a good buddy of mine. Um, so props to him. He's he's done plenty in that market for years uh, and started his career in the city of Detroit. And I think that it, it, in terms of the narrative in and around African-American players and what they mean on and off the field, I just think that sports talk radio just has really done a pretty – his poor job of, the, of, of it and giving opportunities for faces to shine uh, in that space. Um, and so not just the narratives that are being told, but also the people that are telling those narratives. And so I think that this is a great opportunity uh, to be able to do that. And I'm props, props to Rob Parker doing that and be able to create that, that, that lane for to give those opportunities and those different voices need to be heard. Damon, is there any way you'd leave us for Detroit? <laughs> Uh, 1,000%. What do you mean? Is there any <laughs> Xavier laughed. He knew what the answer was going to be. All I need is an offer. <laughs> Way to represent, bro. Well, you better reach out to Rob Parker soon because I'm sure there's going to be uh, plenty we of folks who are in interested. We had him in the building one day, and we, you know, we shook hands, and I, I introduced myself. I mean, maybe I could okay. uh, remind him of who I am. So he knows you. Uh, last minute here. Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago, cultural contributor on Cofield and Company. So you guys were just talking about TV and Freaknik, uh, that documentary. I don't know if you've stumbled upon this one on Apple TV. I got real mixed feelings on Dynasty, which is about the Patriots. I think it's going to go by. I only watched the first half hour, uh, and my girlfriend and I are both big Patriots haters. And we don't want to relive the misery we've had the last 20 years as football fans. So I will watch it. Are you interested in seeing a lot more of the behind-the-scenes stuff over the years with Kraft and Brady and uh, Belichick? Oh, the question I want to know is what, what we're going to learn about what happened uh, with Kraft, <laughs> or uh, what happened with the Fleet Gate, which we might ever, ne- we never, we might never yep. see. And so, the things that people really want to see about the Patriots, we're never going to see in a documentary. So, you don't think so? Well, Not I mean, enough. you're right. If they did Deflate Gate, Spy Gate, Aaron Hernandez, uh, also the relationship Jeez. between Brady and Belichick and Kraft. I mean, those are four juicy things right there. There's plenty of material. You don't think they'll do it? How much you want to bet none of that stuff is in there? All right, we'll come up with what we want to see. That's not going to happen, Steve. Damn it. Damn it. All right, we'll come up with terms on a bet, and I can just wish that I I win, but I hope it happens. Xavier, we appreciate a couple minutes. Stay warm in Chicago, and we'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. A few more. All right. I was a little worried. DeMond backed off the microphone. He was ready. What's going to happen here? No, he was ready. He was ready. All right, 4 o'clock hour is on the way. We got the big four at four. We'll get into, I think, I, I, I'm actually shocked that Adam didn't send this over. I think I may have found next level creepy. I mean, I love it, but one of the best mascots I've ever seen in all of sports.